It's back, it's back. The Premier League is back. Welcome to the first episode of Extra Time, where we talk about recent issues around sports. I am your host, Linus, and today we have two very, very special guests, Keely and Christian. How are you doing, gents? Uh, my name is Chris, and thank you, Linus, for inviting me to this podcast. Well, I'm Key, and thank you for Linus for hosting this uh, podcast. Uh, it's, it's, it's truly an honor to have these two gents here. Uh, now, Premier League is back, and it already has a lot of scandals and issues. And what i got to say so far is the Premier League has been pretty superb. Well, it's been amazing to see how certain players perform at their best level, such as Son and Kane. And even and it's really surprising how the table has been switched because Everton and Aston Villa are now, uh, now up top. It's it's truly amazing at the moment. Yeah, seeing both two teams that nobody have expected at number one and number two. Uh, it's very it's very interesting, you know. This year, I think they give me a feeling where I can feel that it's not going to be a regular Premier League season. It's going to be one of those seasons where nobody can predict anything, at least so far up to the fifth round. Uh, Aston Villa, Everton at top. You know, who would have thought that? Well, what what is the main success to uh, towards their success? I think we should first mention first mention about how how ridiculously long this season is because because of the COVID and uh, the school the soccer stuff for months and it started in June and it's been going on. You know, the 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 gap between the the last season and this season is only about what one month <laughs> and and again I tell you this is a ridiculously long season and I know that players players will be tired. And they they didn't have a lot of time to sort them sort themselves out, so some so it's no surprise that some play, some some teams like Liverpool, Man U, especially, are performing not as great as before. Yeah, uh, what are your thoughts, Chris, on Aston Villa and Everton? I think Aston Villa and Everton are on top of the league because from last season and this season, between obviously the COVID has been impacting all the people and the teams so i think from that carrying into the next season has impacted their form because teams such as man city Liverpool, they've been playing a lot of different competitions so that would contribute to their form and i think that is why everton and aston villa have a better chance right now as they're more rested they don't play as much as those teams so i think that is one big factor of their success right now yeah that is also one of the reasons why back in 2016 when leicester won the league still crazy to this day but that was with uh, what many say is one of the reasons why they could have won the league is because they're so focused in the premier league and premier league only and but we gotta acknowledge as fans that offense is really the key in this Premier League season. Not only Aston Villa and Everton, but the whole league is bagging in goals. You know, left, right, and center. You know, personally, I would say games like Aston Villa, Liverpool seven-two was very shocking. You know, West Ham, Tottenham three-three was very shocking. Six-one Tottenham, Man U, very shocking as well. You know, but and most informed players so far are. Mostly attackers, you know, people like Harry, uh, Harry Kane and Son, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Mo Salah, 
these players have really stepped up their game this year. Yeah, and also want to mention Rodriguez too because. But if we were to mention Kane and Son, what a deal this is! This is one of the this is one of the best deals in the history of the Premier League, I would say. So let, let me just uh mention their stats of Kane and Son. It's truly amazing. Son has nine goals and four assists in all in eight games in all competitions. While Harry Kane has five goals and seven assists in only five games of the Premier League, and has three goals in Europa League qualifying. That is. That's tremendous. Yeah, the Tottenham attack this year compared to last season has been, it's it's been it's been scary. It's it's frightening for uh, opponents to face up against because of how organized they are. Because they've been they've been together since what like twenty fifteen, so their chemistry is gonna be unreal, you know. But these guys are informed as well. But another man who is very informed that nobody has expected, Dominic Calvert Lewin. Who would have thought? Dominic Calvert-Lewin would have been in like the top three of top scoring. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, he, he has exceptional physicality. Especially, I want to give, um, I want to mention Ancelotti. Because what, he has, what he has done, he's that he made some good signings, sorted the players out, and, and allowed Dominic Calvert-Lewin to only focus in scoring. And his focus inside the box is, is something else, really. He is scoring a lot of goals with his heads, foot, left foot, right foot, any foot. He's he is really amazing right now. Yeah, I think this year what Ancelotti has done in the tra uh, transfer market is very, very good, very well done. You know, he didn't have bring in any superstar power. You know, they he he just had mediocre players, not all mediocre players, but you know, it's not terrible, but it's not like superstar level players because Everton has a budget. They're not like a huge club so sometimes i feel like these type of transfers or just homegrown players like harry kane are worth more than like superstar signings you know this year's transfer window had a lot of big signings and some that went under the radar uh, which transfers were worth the most and which were just straight up overpriced and disappointing signings i'll mention though some bargain and good some some really good signings is james rodriguez obviously he's he has fallen off from what he what we expected in 2014 World Cup and so on, he has he really has fallen up. But he with Ancelotti as an Everton, he he's that he's that one that really strengthens the squad and strengthens the attack of Everton. The Richard the Hamas Hamas the pass from Hamas to Hamas Rodriguez to Richardson and Dino, it is it is their it is their main attack and their cross to. Dominic Cavalier is what it's what's winning the game, and they're so organized. So yeah, some good signings: James Rodriguez. Other signings would be Hoivier. This is this is uh from a Tottenham perspective. We this is but not not I have to mention the Tottenham signing, but this is uh, this is really amazing because Hoivier has really changed Tottenham. Hoivier is one, and sorry to cut you off, but I would say Regulon has been very very good signing for Tottenham because. Tottenham weakness, one of the weakness was fullbacks. You know, we can't really, if you want to be in top four, no offense to these players, but you can't have Ben Davis starting as your left, left back. You know, someone like Sergio Regulon, yes, of course, he was sliding all the way towards the, you know, commercial boards when, when he played Chelsea. But Regulon, when he goes up, it's, it's scary. Like, he's quick. 
he can make dangerous crosses, you know. And another uh, left back signing that went under the radar is Alex Telles. Telles, when he played uh, for Man U, I I was shocked. I was like, wow, you can provide that type of crosses in Manchester United against PSG as well. I was so surprised that Telles was doing better than I thought. Alex Telles is absolutely amazing. What he has done in Porto was truly exceptional too, because of, not only because of his goals and assists, but his impact to, on the team. But we were when he first came to Menu, we were we were kind of we weren't really expecting that much of an impact on Man United, to be honest. Because he's he's from Porto, he hasn't really played in like big leagues. But what he's doing in Man United, although he hasn't shown a lot, he will. He's an promising. He is definitely the promising signing. Yeah, he definitely is looking very promising. Uh, what are your thoughts on the transfer market this season, uh, Chris? My thoughts on the transfer market this season. For most bargain signing, I would have to agree with Key on Hoybjerg because when Mourinho came in um, after Pochettino, I think the Tottenham needed a rebuild, as we saw during their performances last year. In the beginning of the season, they really needed that, like a cog in the midfield, I would say. And that in Jose Mourinho's tactics, that is really vital for their success. And only signing him for 15 million, I think, when Southampton actually wanted a lot more, like 35, that would be a, that was a good bargain signing, in my opinion. Yeah, Hoybier, especially against uh, against England in the international duties, he was dominating. You know, uh, I'm gonna be honest, I couldn't watch the game live, but but I was like, well, I because Hoybier when he plays for Tottenham, uh, I I don't really really look at Hoybier that much, but this one I couldn't help but look at Hoybier a lot. You know, Hoybier really, in my opinion, did very dominant. He was very playing. He was playing the perfect role that he was given and it worked it worked and Denmark won the game and we cannot mention the flop signings that the teams made yeah we keep track of that uh, especially Wolverhampton Fabio Silva 30 million or approximately 30 million for Fabio Silva from Portugal uh fun fact I have Fabio Silva I had Fabio Silva on my fantasy team he cost me a lot of points. <laughs> he, he, he cost me so many games because he, he wouldn't play. And if he played, he's non-existent. He is very non-existent. I think 30 million just down the drain for Wolverhampton. Just because he's Portuguese doesn't mean he's going to succeed in Wolves. <laughs> so what are, you, what are your boys' thoughts on this? I'll say this is a, another example of a panic buy by Wolverhampton because uh, Fabio Silva from the Portuguese League, sure, he is a highly rated youngster and can show promise in the future, but I wouldn't really... It's just a panic buy where you don't really need to get another player that is unexperienced, inexperienced, and also he isn't... I wouldn't say he's the best replacement or another attacker that the Wolves needed, but I'll just say he was really disappointing signing in like third person view but also i think in wolves perspective it wasn't the best signing they made 
in the transfer window. Yeah, and speaking of rush by, we cannot forget about the rush by. Of course, Chelsea had an amazing, amazing transfer window, but I would say if they wanted to be one of those win now team, then Mendy, I think, was a rush by. And I wouldn't say disappointing, but I, I would say Chelsea could have made a better decision there. Because, in my opinion, defense, the main part of the back, the back third is, is the, is the center backs. The center backs are what dominates defense, in my opinion. And Chelsea needed that stable defense, but they didn't buy any center backs. They bought Ben Chilwell, great signing. They bought Mendy, great signing. But that goes to waste. If your starting center back is Kurt Zuma, that's true. Although, although they did make a signing on a center back, Thiago Silva, but I just don't think Thiago Silva is just not. He's too old, to be honest. Let's we'll be honest here. I think they could have made a better signing on that. Yeah, and to add to that, maybe people might be like, "Yeah, but sometimes goalkeepers do carry." You know, just like Adrian is pretty. You know, when Adrian's in net, Liverpool doesn't do well, but. When Van Dyke first arrived to Liverpool, Karius, who we always mock for what he did in the Champions League that season, but Karius kept the most clean sheets in that Champions League run out of anybody. And I want to—I wouldn't say Karius did that. I would say Van Dyke deserves the most credit out of all of them, and I think people would agree with me too. So I think center back is the core. So I think this is one of the mistakes that Chelsea had. Uh, but usually just signings like Mendy is, of course, to see, you know, predict ahead. You know, that's why they bought Kai Havertz, Ziyech, you know, Werner, young players like that, because they could, you know, predict. Yeah, so. Oh, this, this reminds me of something. Uh, we all made predictions before the season began on who is going to win the league this season. Uh, Chris said Liverpool. Good prediction. Uh, he said Man United. Which is pretty embarrassing. <laughs> no offense to Man United, of course, but <laughs> man, you uh, and I said, and I said, uh, and I said Chelsea. But I, I predicted this before the season began, like the signings began, and I made this prediction when the season before was in progress. Uh, but looking back at the predictions so far, anyone regret their decisions or have any predictions? Because I know Key does. What more can I say? <laughs> Well, it's been really disappointing for Man U since the start. Uh, losing to losing to Crystal Palace, getting getting absolutely destroyed by Tottenham, which I was happy and not happy at the same time. And right now, I just I just want to hide <laughs> at the moment. I I would I would kind of say the same with Chelsea, but Chelsea, I think Chelsea just a little bit needs a little bit more time to have their players connect to each other, you know, to get to know each other. I think Chelsea at least would finish top four. And I think Chris, I th I'm pretty sure Chris is, uh, uh, you know, satisfied with his bet. Mm, I'm going to say I'm 50-50 on this, actually, because with the recent Van Dyke injury, because that is actually a big factor, because he is the one of the, probably the best defender in Liverpool in the center. Or even in the league. Or in the world, maybe even. Yeah, in the league, in the world, yeah. 
So that would be a big blow for Liverpool, and I don't know. They could. I think Liverpool could suffer from that loss. Speaking of Van Dijk's injury, uh, some of the you know the results this weekend, you know that's where Van Dijk's injury happened, the Merseyside derby, and I think you boys know where this is going. But um, VAR already messed up. <laughs> five games, like five weeks in, already messed up. What what can we say about this? Well, speak speaking about the the Mane outside, it's. It was a terrible decision. Do you guys agree with that? Yes, uh, I would say it's. I think it's like the worst one so far. If if I had to say, you know, Everton fans might disagree, but I see some Everton fans agreeing with me. So, yeah, I would say it's a pretty bad one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, all the listeners won't see this. You know, I do have a picture of the Mane offside, <laughs> and. During the VR, they draw a vertical line on usually usually for usually for the on the shoulder, like right between the shoulder and the arm. Because because if you because if the arm goes out, that you know the player can't score the arm anyways. So the vertical line is not drawn on the arm on on the ha- on the on the tip of the hand. So when they draw this vertical line, it has been really very very inconsistent this season and last season too. This season has been. The the vertical line, the vertical line drawn on the Mane offside, it was exactly drawn on his elbow, not the shoulder. <clears throat> and if you look at some of the other 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 decisions, such as uh, Son offside last season against Leicester, it was drawn on the armpit. While Firmino also was Firmino offside was drawn was also drawn on the armpit too. And I just think that their the handball regulation in the first place. Is really vague, and it's not specific enough. Therefore, the refs are making the terrible decisions that shouldn't be made, and it's offside by a millimeter, and they rule out the goal. Yeah, and to add to the offside by a millimeter is, it's it's very disappointing to see the to see the Mane one and to see the Muse. I think it was Muse where he was offside against Tottenham by like by like an ant. That was. It's pretty disappointing to see two of them, you know, because in the Mane one, it doesn't hurt anybody to move that line to Mane's armpits to see the offsides, you know, if it's based off of armpits. That's not that big of a deal. But they care enough to destroy Sheffield's dream to zoom in like it's pixelated. You can't even identify what it is. You go in so close that you can't see what it is to rule off the goal that it's like really close. It's like two millimeters. Like, like of course, of course, yes, good decision that he wasn't he was offside. Yes, you got that. Congrats. But where's the same energy for every single other games? Is what I'm saying. All we ask is just consistency. And also for this this offside rule. Now they're ruling out a goal because the player was offside by what a toenail, literally a toenail. And I just feel like this is ruining this is ruining football because because they rule out because when they rule out when they're so picky about it, now players won't run in behind and the game is not fun anymore. Now the players just want the ball to their feet and no no one's gonna run behind. No one's gonna no one's gonna try to no. It won't. It will be harder to score a goal. Yeah, this is this is like a growing trend in. Premier League, and I I really hate it. I really hate to see this, 
is that it's usually like a safe bet now. It's like turning into La Liga. No offense to La Liga and how they play, but it's turning into that league where it's like they're very cautious to go up. You know, they're like, they don't want to go up unless they're sure they can score. You know what I mean? They're like saving their shots. They're always sending up to the full fullbacks and they make a run and they cross it in and, you know, header or a volley shot goal or not. It's, it's simple like that. This is some MLS type thing. This is like no disrespect to the MLS, but of course their level is lacking compared to the European leagues. This is some MLS thing that happened three years ago. Do you, do you see where I'm going? Like 2016, it was, even if, the, if there weren't as many goals, it was insane. Like every single game that I watched was like, everybody's going tough. Everybody's attacking. They're like, oh, we failed this time. We'll go again and we'll try until we get it right one time. But now it's just like, oh, oh yeah, it, does, it didn't work that way. Just let's not do that. Let's find another way. You know, it's more like a, it's, it's so disappointing to see the game to become like to have less shots, to have, you know, more safe bets than, you know, being adventurous. You could say, you could talk about the VR compared to how the K League. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, that's a good point, Key. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, K League is for those who don't know, it's the Korean Soccer League. In K League, they always, they're really good with the VAR checks compared to the, any other league, I would say the ones that I watch at least because um, this like last week, I believe uh, there was a game Ulsan Hyundai versus Pohang. And this player tackled this Ulsan player tackled Pohang player from behind when it was a one V one situation, the ref gave a red, but then Ulsan players complained, Oh, he touched the ball first. So the, what the, what does the ref do? The ref went to the monitor, had a, had a view, had a check, and then he gave the red. Perfect. That's standard, you know, that's standard VAR stuff. What's so special? The thing is, what's so special about that is they don't do that in top five leagues. They never do the second check, you know? Other than that, there was another incident. I, I can't recall exactly what game, but similar thing happened. But this time it was, like, way too close. It's, it was a foul. But not like a 1v1 foul, but it was a pretty dangerous tackle. At first, the referee gave a yellow. But then the players are like, hey, this guy's, this guy's down. This guy's down pretty badly, and it was a pretty bad tackle. And then the referee goes over to the monitor. Take a look. Boom, straight red. This is some standard VAR stuff that I want to see more in the top five leagues to make the league better. You know, but so many fans and the referees, they think... It's gonna kill the flow. It's gonna kill the vibe, dude. It's gonna, it's gonna make it boring, but it doesn't. I don't care if it's boring as long as the result is correct, as long as there's no mistake. You know what I mean? And it's not gonna be boring. Look at the U20 Korea versus Senegal game in the U20 World Cup. Do you know how great that game was because of VAR? VAR has, yeah, VAR has so many good, you know, good sides of it toward instead of the negative side but we all the referees are i don't know what's in their what's in their head but 
they're always on the negative side. They're usually playing on the negative side, never on the positive side. Yeah, if VAR can fix its flaws and makes it not perfect, but near, at least better than right now, if they don't do that, if they don't try and make it better, then in many ways from VAR, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a domino effect and the league is going to slowly be ruined. The league is going to be ruined. We cannot forget to talk the hot issue that I that the football world just is on about is the fourteen point ninety five pay per view, and and they're probably gonna wonder again. They're probably like, "Oh, why are the ratings going down so much?" But I think it's pretty obvious why why the ratings are going down. So, uh, what are your thoughts about it? Well, I just think that this 15, 15, 15 pound pay per view, just the Premier League is just killing himself. This is. This is just not good. They're they're gonna they're definitely gonna lose viewers. So say paying a fifteen paying a fifteen dollar paying a fifteen fifteen pounds per each game for one and a half hour, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Like we're not this is not a restaurant. We're trying to like oh can we get a medium rare steak and pay a fifteen dollar pound? No. This is not like that. And I'm I'm absolutely against it. They're just opening up a source for illegal sites. To um to expand their to expand their industry and that's that's this is not this is would not be a good move from Premier League. I love how you, how passionate you are about this. And uh, when I saw the price, this reminded me of one thing: the streaming service, the Zone, not sponsored by the Zone. I would I I would love a sponsored by the Zone, but uh the the Zone is about like fifteen dollars per month. Yes, Key? We we both have the Zone, and the Zone. Is worth it per month. It's per month, and we get to watch Premier League games, some MLS games, you know, Champions League, Europa League, all of that on the zone. Like, and it's clean, it's legal, it's perfect. But the thing is, the difference is this one is like you get to watch things like you can watch like small games like, you know, Burnley Brighton, or you can watch games like Arsenal Tottenham. You have options. But here, $14.95 or pounds for Fulham and like West Ham. No disrespect, but I don't think anybody's going to pay 15 pounds to watch that game. Not even their fans. I feel like they're going to go to the illegal websites to watch the games rather than pay $15. Chris, I think, has, I, I think he can relate a little bit more to this because. I, I know Chris doesn't have the zone. He he doesn't have like TSN or Sportsnet. He usually watches soccer or like with us maybe sometimes. Or he just he just watches if the if it's on TV. Uh, if you were in this situation, would you would if it's like a big game, title decider, Liverpool Man City, fifteen dollars though for one game, would you pay to watch it? See, it's tough, but you wouldn't think to watch it, right? It's fifteen dollars per for one and a half hours. Are you are you being serious right now? Do you really think like I don't know who came up with this in their right minds to be like, oh yeah, people are actually gonna pay fifteen pounds for this. No, no one's gonna pay fifteen pounds to watch just one game, you know? I, and this is one of the reasons why I think they did it is to benefit the big clubs more. People are obviously gonna pay fifteen dollars towards Liverpool games rather than 
Crystal Palace games. Yeah, and I'm just I'm just you know thinking that um it's becoming it's becoming a trend those days. Like even even this even this fifteen dollar pay per view thing and something something we're gonna talk about later is the European Premier League that uh it's gonna like those things are <laughs> benefiting the big teams rather than small teams and that's really <clears throat> that's really uh really when you compare it to the Premier League right now where it's like really unpredictable and the small even the small teams are going against big teams they can win against them like it's just really competitive and unpredictable i feel that, i feel like the trend the, those plans that are introduced right now is really against the against the the league that's happening right now i it is, i'm really i don't i don't i really can't understand yeah i think from what you say is we can all i think we all get the message and we all know that this is inevitably gonna make Premier League lose viewers and most importantly lose respect. We're gonna lose so much respect from this. And I think people have lost respect because soccer recently, it's it's one of those sports, it's it's becoming a sport where it's created by the poor and is being stolen by the rich currently. It's a sad truth, but I think that is it, you know? And yeah, and it's it's really sad to see. And uh, speaking of benefiting the big clubs only, and Kimi already mentioned it, European Premier League is a huge, huge topic around the world right now. And what it is is something. It's like a league full of only the big biggest clubs in the world. So it's invitation only. So Bayern, you know, Liverpool, Man U, let's say Juventus, PSG. Those guys are be those those teams are gonna be in the league. However, here's a twist. I said it's you know invitation only. So it doesn't matter how good your team is right now, you can't qualify it if you aren't invited. So teams like Tottenham or Man City, Liverpool, they can go. But ever teams like teams like Everton, Everton, Aston Villa, who are in top of their form, will not be invited. Which is very sad, and it makes it truly makes teams lose motivation and speaking of motivation there's no relegation or promotion to this which is why it's also benefiting the big clubs because if you're a small club supporter i i am a small club supporter in k-league and seeing the relegation battle is really entertaining to watch like realistically let's say i'm going to use burnley as an example Sorry, Burnley fans, but you guys are in relegation. So, for Burnley, ideal, like realistically, they're not going to win the league. Their goal isn't to win the league, let's be honest. Their goal isn't to be in the top four, let's be honest. You know, like the most realistic, like big, the biggest goals is like, you know, maybe like Europa League. But right now, with the currency, your goal is to, you know, stay in the Prem. And the relegation battle is something that other sports don't have compared to soccer. You know, it's very entertaining to see. That's why the Premier League is, or just any soccer, is just so much underdog stories because it's the ones that are trying to be at the top, stay at the top, and the ones that are trying to go up, you know? So there's a lot of underdog stories from there and, you know, unexpected victories at like the last day. That's what makes um, soccer or Premier, Premier League or soccer in general really, really fun. And, and 
by by doing by making the European Premier League, it's gonna take away. It's it's gonna take that away. And I just feel like this European Premier League would 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 absolutely kill the diversity of this game, because now it's only big clubs that are people gonna watch, and all the small clubs. There's not gonna be those big clubs versus small club matches, and there's that there's that vibe, you know. There's that there's that aspect where small clubs versus big clubs. We want to support the small clubs more, and then. We want to see those games. We want to see those. We want to see different kinds of games, like big clubs versus big clubs, small versus small, big versus small. Those times, those kinds of things. But if we have make the European Premier League, that's really not going to happen. And I'm not. I'm not saying that European Premier League wouldn't be fun, but it's just killing the diversity of it. Yeah, Key here makes a very good point, and uh, Key and Chris should be uh, used to used to this by now. Uh, Key and Chris is our Tottenham fans. And whenever Tottenham loses to like a small club, like for example, they lost against Sheffield three one last year. There's this there's this joy where some where your rival club loses or your friend's club loses to a small club. You go off to them, you text them, or you meet in person, be like, "Ah, oh, you lost to you, you lost to this team, or you lost to this team." You know, it's you won't have that. Like it's like, oh, you lost to Dortmund. You know, you lost Lazio. Okay, Lazio is a decent team. Compared to like you know like Crystal Palace, like you won't we won't have that you know even in the NBA like in the NBA if the Lakers lost against the New York Knicks we're gonna make fun of that you know in football if like the Jets beat the Cowboys we're gonna make fun of the Cowboys we don't have that if European Premier League becomes a thing we won't have that you know that. Little little happiness that we always get, the little nuggets. What are your thoughts on it, Chris? My thoughts on the Premier League idea is that what you said, Linus, that little feeling of joy when the team, your rival team or your friend's team loses. In my, what I would say is that when I watch those games, I always cheer for the other teams, the small teams such as like West Brom or some some teams like that, <laughs> because well, obviously it benefits your team, and it also that just makes it much more fun. But with the uh, European Premier League, I think without that relegation promotion team, the small teams won't have that passion. Of their soccer and the fans won't be as excited and like nervous the, those kind of feelings the stadium like for example you're playing the top team you're on the bottom you want to go up the standings to avoid relegation every tackle every save every goal every little thing will matter so much to them this Premier League idea in the European Premier League, I think that would diminish their hopes of that happening. Yeah, I really hope uh, people feel the way you do, Chris, because I'm, 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 I'm convinced. If I, if I was full on European Premier League, I'll be convinced with what you said at the end. Their little things in games, those things really matter. But European Premier League, I think it has less consequences, you know. But I think, I think that's enough uh, about dark side of soccer. You know, I think we've had enough of the dark side. We'll see you guys at quiz segment.
Welcome to the quiz segment, boys, uh, where I will give you guys three questions each to answer. Answer all three correctly. You'll be getting a $50 sports check gift card. And if you don't get them correct, you just admit that you're pretty dumb, eh? Are you guys ready? Yes. Chris goes first. These are three questions for Chris. Chris does not know this, the answer to these. So we're not, we're not rigging this, okay? I want everybody to know that. Okay, the first question. Closer. Miroslav Klose holds the record for most goals in the World Cup history. How many goals has he scored? Oh, I'm gonna go with that he has scored 16 goals. 16 goals? 16 goals, that is correct. Oh, okay. Let's go, let's go. Okay, here's the second question. Which of these teams have never won a European title? Number one, Nottingham Forest. Number two, Arsenal. Number three, Tottenham Hotspur, number four, Aston Villa. I think I already know this one. I think it's Tottenham Hotspur. Tottenham Hotspur, final answer? Yes, final answer. Eh, no, man, it's Arsenal. Tottenham Hotspur has Europe, Europa Cup, Chris. Oh, dang. Hey, that is a good try, though, Chris. Arsenal has, Arsenal has never won a European competition ever in their in their existence because you know they're always in the champions league they go to the round of 16 lose <laughs> okay okay here's a question for you key in the historic uh, 2005 champions league final the liverpool goalkeeper has been outstanding you know at the end saving the last penalty of andrey shevchenko who was the goalkeeper for liverpool that game oh i know this one that guy's a oh i know this i know this i actually know this dudek 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 is Correct. That's the first. That's the first question for Key. Second question. What year did Italy win the World Cup consecutively? So back to back. I'll have to guess this one. To be honest, <laughs> nineteen seventy-six, nineteen eighty. Nineteen seventy-six and nineteen eighty. Because 1976 and 1980 didn't even have a World Cup. Come on, Keith. <laughs> the correct answer is 1934 and 1938, where Italy has, has won two in a row. You know, the first team to win two in a row. Um, it's not Brazil. It's a common myth. So after that, that will be it for today. You know, too bad that you guys couldn't win today. I guess I'll use the Sportscheck gift card by myself. But if you want another chance, you can always come on my podcast again. You know, that will be it for today's podcast. I'm your host, Linus, and this was Extra Time. Peace out.